When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to THN on the O. As always, I am Tony Ferrari from the Hockey News. And joining me this week, as always, is Brock Otten. How are you doing this week, Brock? Good, Tony. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing better than the Windsor Spitfires, uh, who were swept in the first round by the eight-seed Kitchener Rangers. Uh, and today is a perfect episode to ignore that and move on to the second round and preview everything we've got. But first, let's look at the three stars in the first round. Who do we got as the first star this week? I, it, it's got to be Brad Clark, right? Uh, even with missing uh, one and a half games, we'll call it. Uh, he was still by far the best player in in the first round of the playoffs. And I'm really sad to see what he's going to do in round two. I mean, we talked about um, that over under last week with that pronger record. And <laughs> it's within reach if the very Colts can keep winning. I mean, he's almost halfway there through one series. So uh, maybe he only needs to make it to the conference finals to, to break the record. He's, Absolutely on fire. 17 points in that that first round. Five goals, 12 assists. Like you said, he missed a game and a half. This kid's been absolutely outstanding in the OHL this year. So it's really fun to see him do his thing for Barry. Uh, hopefully we can continue seeing that go on. But second star is Matthew Sapovalov, who had seven goals, eight assists for 15 points. Second leading score in the OHL this, this, for the playoffs. This kid was on fire in that Saginaw Flynn series. Yeah, I feel like whenever Saginaw really needed a pick-me-up, it seemed to be Sapovalov. Uh, to an extent, yeah, like Michael Misa and, and Zane Parek did fantastic for, for rookie players. But it was Sapovalov, I feel like, that really carried the offensive load for, for Saginaw, at least in, from a, a consistency standpoint. Yeah, he's, he's kind of been their do-it-all kind of defensive, offensive guy this year. He's a really stout two-way center. He showed off at the World Juniors that he's able to do it. And now seeing him really step up offensively in the OHL playoffs is really nice to see because he has been known for that defensive game. So seeing him pot seven goals in, in, in the series, uh, a really fun series against Flint where that went seven games. It, it was really fun to see. Who's our third star for the week? Third star, I thought we'd give it to a goalie, and there was a few choices that we could have gone with. Brett Brochu had a fantastic series for London. But I think we got to go with uh, Marco Constantini for – Destroying your Windsor Spitfires, Tony. Uh, he was fantastic in the series, um, especially when Windsor tried to pour it on sort of later in the series. Uh, I thought he was great. Yeah, he was uh, a thorn in the side of the Windsor Spitfires for the entire four-game series. Um, and we talked about that before the series as well. We said that Kitchener has the advantage in net, and that could be a really big factor in, in whether or not they could upset them. I don't think I ever expected the sweep, but Kitchener was a really, really good team a way better team on paper than any eighth seed should have been. And at the end of the day, they move on and they face London in the second round. So that's going to be really fun to see. And Constantine is going to be a huge part of that. Yeah. And just that experience from last year's run with Hamilton, right? Uh, that That's really, really, really important. And Windsor didn't necessarily have that. And and Hamilton did, right? And that was, or Hamilton, uh, Kitchener uh, did. And, and that was really one of the big difference makers in the series. All right, now before we go into previewing the second round series, let's take a look at some of the news of the week. And Logan Morrison signed an ELC with the Seattle Kraken. What was kind of your take on that one? 
Finally. I mean, <laughs> at the draft last year, we were all super surprised that he didn't end up getting selected sort of in that mid to late round range, given the playoffs that he had for Hamilton and, and the overall season that he had for Hamilton. This year, he's been equally as good split between Hamilton and Ottawa, and he's been really good so far in the playoffs for Ottawa. And it's about time somebody gave him a contract. And look, yeah, he he faces an uphill battle. The, the skating will need to continue to improve. I think it has improved over the course of his OHL career, but it's going to have to continue to improve. But he's just such a smart player. Um, and that's the, those are the types of guys that I'm willing to take a chance on because when you – get to that next level and you're in the hands of pro development coaches and pro athletic trainers and you're eating right. And you're living sort of that, that pro lifestyle. Some of those changes can really help players find that next level in their game from an athletic standpoint. Right. And, you know, maybe it doesn't happen and and maybe it does and it's, it's free money, right? It's, it's, it's an open opportunity for them to find a player. And if it doesn't work out, it's just a burnt DLC. They didn't waste a draft pick on him. And and Seattle needs to continue to find depth, right? So it, it's just a great signing. And it's a great story. And I'm really happy for, for Morrison finally. Yeah, it really was the perfect situation for him. Like you said, Seattle needs to build up that prospect pool as the newest franchise in the NHL. They're always going to need to bring in a few guys. Looking to that overage market, signing him as a free agent is really good for them. And at the end of the day, it's good, great for him because this is a kid that's been really good in the OHL the last two years, playoff MVP last year. He's done such a good job of being able to be a productive player without having all of the tools that necessarily you look for in a guy. So seeing him kind of develop over the next few years is probably going to be a long road, but I could see an NHL future for him if he works on the skating, kind of brings that up to, to par because he does have the brains and the offensive ability. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, and I mean, look at what Ty Karche has done in that system this year as an AHL rookie. He's been fantastic. Another great OA signing by the Seattle Kraken, and he's somebody that's sort of pushing, knocking on the door for for a roster spot in Seattle already. And I'm thinking that they're probably hoping that Logan Morrison is the next in line. Yeah, speaking of Ty Karche, he was named to the AHL All-Star rookie, all-rookie team. So... It's just another example of a guy that can go in there and, and make a big difference being that overage free agent signing. Now let's move on to the OHL coaches poll. It was released this week. Liam Arnsby was the best checker, best defensive forward, and best penalty killer. Colby Barlow had best shot, hardest shot, and most dangerous in the goal area and to lead with three first-place finishes each. What were a couple of standouts for you, Brock? I think the first one was just the lack of being right. Now, we don't know uh, what categories Windsor – put him forward for, um, nominated him for. But at the same time, seeing Shane Wright only once in this poll and a second-place finish behind Amadeus Lombardi in the West for the smartest player, it was kind of shocking. And I think it kind of goes to show that I don't think OHL coaches were were the most impressed with Wright's play um, in this, I don't know, we'll call it very abbreviated season that he had in the OHL. And then the other one was the Kitchener Rangers had some shootout categories, even though they didn't have a shootout this year. So I don't know if that's just coaches looking at, you know, for example, Philip Mishar being a really skilled individual creative player and saying, this is a guy that I wouldn't want to face in a shootout, even though he didn't have any shootout attempts this year. <laughs> uh, and then nominating him or putting him forth uh, as one of their choices in that category. 
or maybe just people not paying attention or I don't know. It kind of detracts a little bit from the poll itself, in my opinion, when you see stuff like that, because it makes me wonder, okay, how much effort and research and time are some of these coaches putting, you know, forward into their selections? Um, Tony. Yeah, that was the big thing with me too. You see the, see the Kitchen Rangers get the shootout nominations without going to be in the shootout. It, it, it gives you that question of like, are some coaches just going in there and filling out names? Are they looking at guys that they see and they're like, oh, yeah, he'd be good in the shootout. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I remember him in the shootout, and they have no recollection of it. It's it's always an interesting thing. And, yeah, Shane Wright only appearing once. It, I think part of it's the injury. He was obviously – I think he was at three, three and a half weeks, four weeks. Um, but at the end of the day, I just don't think he was all that impressive in the OHL. He put up some points, but he wasn't quite the dominating player everyone thought he was going to be. The two standouts for me, though, was Nick Lardis in the Best Skater nominations. He finished third in that group. I wasn't expecting to see him there. I thought he, he's a really good shooter. I thought his skating can be awkward at times in some ways. Always a high-effort guy, and maybe that's why he got the nod here. But it was kind of shocking to see him as one of the best skaters. And then the other one for me was Lombardi. Amadeus Lombardi standing out in a big way. Like you mentioned, he finished ahead of Shane Wright in the Smartest Player category. He was one of the best stick handlers nominated as well. This is a guy that I think had a really, really big OHL season. I, I think he had a huge season in terms of uh, improving his pro potential and stock. And, and at the end of the day, this could be one of those guys that the Red Wings found in the draft of that COVID OHL year where they got a guy that probably should have gone a little bit higher if we're looking at things all, in all honesty. Yeah, he was definitely – one of the most highly decorated players in the coaches poll this year and well-deserving in my opinion, like you said. All right, now let's move on to the Canada's under 18 team. There's going to be lots of OHL players that are going to be available for that. I think we, you and I have both discussed it before on Twitter and stuff. So who's a few names that you think are going to stand out and be big factors for that Canadian team? So first, uh, a little bit of context. I think Colby Barlow is a little banged up. Kyle Ritchie's a little banged up. Yep. I'm really hoping that they play, but um Definitely, you could tell they were a little bit banged up in that first-round series. Hopefully, you got enough time to heal because they're going to be big components of that team if they do play. Then you've got Cam Allen uh, having a chance to possibly return with a letter from the Helenka Gretzky Cup and maybe save his draft stock a little bit with a good performance. Um, I'm really excited to see Nick Lardis there. Uh, he wasn't on the Helenka Gretzky team, and he's going to play a big offensive role for this U18 team, I think. Um, then you go with um, possibly Luke Misa, uh, who's draft eligible next year with a late birthday, but a really electric skater. Michael Misa's uh, older brother, for those that don't know, plays out of Mississauga. Then you've got a, a couple defenders, maybe Andrew Gibson, Tristan Bertucci. I think the defense is going to be really strong for this team, but they'd be on my team if I was picking. I think both of those guys are, are really good defenders, um, good two-way players, play hard. Um, can play any sort of role that can be asked of them. Uh, I think that versatility is going to make them an attractive option for this team. So I could see both of them being there too. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for for this event. I mean, maybe we even see some underage guys too, like like Malcolm Spence uh, or Anthony Cristoforo uh, of your Spitfires. Um, you know, there there's some options for sure. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting because this is a really fun tournament every year. And Canada always sends an interesting roster because a lot of the guys that Canada would love to have there are still in the OHL playoffs or CHL playoffs in general. So it, it's going to be interesting to see who kind of fleshes out the roster for the for among the three CHL leagues and who gets there for that U18 team. 
it's going to be really interesting because you mentioned some of the younger guys that could be there, like Michael Spence. If I'm sure, if if Saginaw didn't win that first or didn't win that first round series, Michael Misa would have been there. It's going to be a really interesting group because, like you mentioned, Colby Barlow is a little bit banged up. I talked to him just before the playoffs started. He, he took a shot off the foot and. He said that if it was playoff games, he'd be in the lineup. But because it wasn't at the time, he was kind of letting the foot rest up and heal so he could be at his best in the playoffs. And then we saw him in the playoffs, and it was still kind of laboring him, I think, at at the end of the day. So it's going to be one of those things where whoever's healthy, whoever's going to be not as banged up is going to be a a big factor on this team. Because I think if Colby Barlow is there, if Nick Nick Lardis is there, they're going to be two of the biggest offensive contributors for this team. Yeah, we should also add that there's going to be some OHL players playing for other countries too. Kerry uh, yeah. Terrence is going to play for the U.S. Um, they they usually only add one or two guys, if any, and he's one of their additions. So that's going to be great for for him, I think. He's going to be a really good role player for that team. Um, Adam Zudlicki is is playing for the Czech team. Um, those are the two off the top of my head. Am I missing anybody, Tony, that, that's already been named to a team? Uh, not that off the top of my head from the OHL. I know there's a few guys from the other leagues and down in the USHL as well that'll be there. But it, it's going to be interesting because this this uh, tournament's always a fun one, and Canada always brings uh, a roster that doesn't always compete at the highest level because some of their best players are, are just at the end of the day still in the playoffs in their respective leagues. So it, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. But let's get to the OHL playoff preview for the second round. Let's start with the Peterborough Peets taking on the Ottawa 67s out east. Number one seed versus number four seed. This looks like it's a, uh, a series that is going to be dominated kind of by the Ottawa 67s as they have been one of the hottest teams in the league from start to finish. But this Peterborough team showed a lot in that first round. So what do you think is going to go down? Yeah, this, this is a really tough one. I've kind of gone back and forth as to what I think happens. So on one hand, I'm a little bit worried by the fact that Ottawa is reliant on so many younger players. And sometimes that doesn't work in place. Yes, they're surrounded by some really good veterans that they did bring in, like Logan Morrison, who we just talked about. Uh, but Peterborough definitely sort of has that advantage from a veteran standpoint with the players that they brought in. Now, on the other hand, I'm still a little bit worried about Peterborough's consistency. Uh, yes, they definitely showed well against Sudbury. But that was a that was a round, I mean, other than yourself, Tony, that was a round I think many people were expecting Peterborough to win. And um, this round, it's not going to be the case. Ottawa is a really, really good team from top to bottom. Great depth. They get great goaltending. They are a solid team. And if you're not bringing forth a consistent effort, you're not going to beat Ottawa. It's just just not going to happen. And uh, that's why if I were making a prediction, I would say Ottawa on six. But I I do think it's a bit of a toss-up. I think any of these that we're going to talk about are obviously toss-up once you get to that second round. But if I was... Putting a bet on it, I, I would take the consistency that Ottawa has shown this year. Yeah, Ottawa really has been so good top to bottom. That roster's loaded. Luke Benelli had an outstanding first-round series with 12 points in, in, in that series. He he was one of the best draft-eligible players, and we'll get to talking about some of those guys in a little bit. But, man, that Ottawa team looked really good in round one. They didn't sweep Oshawa like we expected, but they did handle them pretty handily. Peterborough swept the Sudbury Wolves, and I wasn't expecting that. It was it was a series that I think I had more hope and I expected more out of the Wolves for it. But Peterborough just seems to have that ability to play playoff hockey. And I was talking to someone earlier this week about that, and they asked what the big difference with Peterborough was and how they could challenge the Ottawa 67s. Is The Ottawa 67s, like you said, rely on a lot of young talent. They rely on a lot of skill and, and a lot of 
high high octane game and, and that doesn't always work in the playoffs and i think the fact that peterborough has so many guys like owen back uh, brennan Othman that came in there and guys throughout that lineup that can kind of slow the game down and play a little bit more of that gritty just pro style game and, and play that playoff hockey this could be a reason that the, the peterborough Pete's pushed this series late in the in, later in the series making it six or seven games deep if i'm making a prediction myself i'm probably going ottawa in six or seven but it's going to be a fun series. I think Peterborough has a chance to upset if they can get the first couple of games, maybe. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think another thing, too, is just chemistry, right? I think that's part of why Ottawa has been so good this year is they just seem to have great line chemistry from top to bottom, right? We talked about the depth, and the reason for their depth always shining through is those players have sort of played together all year. And in Peterborough even with that round one victory against Sudbury, they didn't play Ottawa very well in the regular season. Even with a couple of games later in the year, they didn't come out on the victorious end of those games. And yeah, I think it just comes down to team chemistry for me. And I think that does weigh a lot in the playoffs. And it's why there's that risk when you're adding those guys late in the season, whether it's the OHL, whether it's the NHL, right? Sometimes those trade deadline acquisitions just don't turn out. Yeah, I agree with you there. So I think we both said Ottawa and six there. Let's move on to the next series, which might be the most exciting series of the four in the second round. And that's North Bay taking on Barry, the number two versus number three seed. This is going to be a really, really fun series because North Bay has been an absolute wagon this year. And Brent Clark plays for Barry. So that's going to be fun to watch as well. What do you, what's your take on this series? Yeah, Tony, you hit the nail on the head there. The best player in this series is Brent Clark. And we're going to find out just how much one player can make a difference. Now, that's not to take anything away from the Barry Colts. They've got some really good players. They've got some veteran players like Ethan Cardwell and Evan Beerling, who had a great round one as well. Bo Gelsma, great round one. Um, this, is, this is a good team top to bottom. Why I think North Bay comes out on top is I think that North Bay can be the more physically imposing team. And I think that North Bay gets better goaltending. Yeah. I think Anson Thornton has done a good job for Barry this year, but DeVincenzis has done a great job for North Bay. And uh, when you've got two teams that are going to be just throwing bombs at each other, right? Like the think of this like a slugfest in a boxing match, right? Like these are two teams that are going to be going toe to toe. I'm going to take the team that I think has the stronger goaltending and, and that's North Bay. So I, I'll say like North Bay in six or seven. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think North Bay's goaltending is going to be the huge difference. I was talking to Guy Flaming on the, the Pipeline show earlier this week, and he asked what the difference in the series was going to be, and I said it was going to be go the goaltending. I think Ganson Thornton's been good. He, he's a perfectly fine OHL goaltender. Dom DiVincenzo has been one of the best OHL goaltenders of the year so far this year. I think we, uh, we've, we've joked about it earlier this year, but it seemed like this guy was in and out of our three stars almost every week. He was absolutely fantastic, so... This is a guy that I expect to, to play on his head. This series really is going to come down to whether he's able to stop Brant Clark or Brant Clark's able to get the, the upper hand and create offense to, to for that very team to take down North Bay. North Bay's got a ton of talent. Ty Nelson on the back end, uh, Matt Petrov, Kyle Jackson, all sorts of guys. Josh Bloom's in there who we interviewed on the podcast. That's a really, really stout playoff-ready team. This Barry team is going to be a lot of fun to watch, but this is going to be that that series. I think that you go just because they're fun to watch. Does that mean they're good? 
And we're going to get that answer at the end of the series. If I'm, I'm taking the, the, the North Bay Battalion in six, though, I think this is going to be a fun series. It's going to be a, a, a good series. I could see it going seven, but I, I will say North Bay in six. Yeah, so just another on. thing to add. Uh, sorry, just another thing to add, Tony. Uh, with Barry, a lot of their attack is all about transition, right? Like playing with pace. Yeah. And, and driving through the back end with a player like Grant Clark. And when you look at North Bay, they've got probably the best collection of defensive forwards in the league. And, and that was sort of very evident with the OHL Coaches Bowl. And a guy like Liam Armsby doing mm-hmm. so great uh, in terms of the accolades that he received there. And if North Bay's forwards can really shut down that transition game, that's going to limit Barry's options on that attack, right? So uh, that's just another thing that I see as sort of a, a difference maker. Yeah, it, it's going to be a fun series. I think that Western or that Eastern Conference is going to be a really fun, series, like fun couple of series. And at the end of the day, we have the, the top four seeds from the conference going up against each other. So anytime you get that, it's always going to be a fun time. Let's move on to the West, though. We're going to start off with the number two London Knights taking on the number one, sorry, the number eight Kitchener Rangers who took down the number one seed, Windsor Spitfires. This is going to be a fun series, and I think a lot of people are going to instantly favor with London because they're just the better seed. But this Kitchener team has a lot of talent on it, and we've talked about it a number of times. On paper, they're one of the top three or four teams in this, in this conference. Yeah, I'm on the Kitchener Rangers bandwagon at this point. Uh, honestly, they look so good against your Winter Spitfires. We had talked about them way back in our initial episodes uh, as being one of the prime contenders in the OHL this year, just based on the way that their roster was constructed. And we're finally seeing that come together. And it, it's, it's been a very sort of steady climb too under Mike McKenzie since he took over too. So it's not like they've just kind of come out of nowhere. They kind of just barely squeaked into the playoffs. No, this was a team that has played really well the entire second half. And I think they finally have been able to bottle up that sort of success um, that they need to the the way that they need to play in the playoffs, and they're getting great individual performances too. Um, we've already mentioned Marco Constantini in that. I thought that um, Philip Mashar had a fantastic first round too. I thought that Carson Raycroft, who we're going to talk about in a bit, had a really good first round. Um, and that's just sort of their younger guys. They they were older guys. I think can find an even another level too. So London's great. Um, they're a great team as well. They're going to get great goaltending from Brett Brochu. He's a veteran. Um, but I just think that Kitchener is riding a wave right now, and they're going to be tough to stop. Yeah, I think the biggest impediment to Kitchener taking on, down the London Knights is going to be the fact that Captain Francesco Pinelli is going to be out of the first two games of the series because of that suspension for that that kind of weird hit when when Oliver Pierre was coming off the bench for the Windsor Spitfires. It looked like he leaned into him, took his head, and, and then kind of sh- – the thing that got me was the shushing of the Windsor Spitfires. And, and I was like, ooh, that's going to get to the suspension for sure. Shows that you don't have really much remorse. Before we kind of dive into that series a little bit more, did you see the hit? And what was your initial thoughts on it? And do you think three games was a, a little bit harsh? Yeah, I, I saw the hit. And I, I think they kind of hit it uh, correctly. I think it was a dirty play. I think that there was some intent there. Maybe not to the extreme um, that we saw in terms of, the actual action and repercussion of it. But like you said, the shush did not help his cause whatsoever because that tells me that he was intentionally targeting Oliver Peer. And yeah, I think Penelli is somebody who plays on that line. 
Um, and he crossed it. And I think they got it right. Yeah, it, it's going to be difficult for the Rikishner Rangers to overcome his loss in that first two games, but they have so many good players on that team. You mentioned Phil Mishar, Carson Raycroft. Uh, there's so many guys in that roster that are going to be able to really kind of produce for that team. Hunter Bustavich is going to be outstanding on the back end. He was in the first round against Windsor. You watch him transition that puck so well. He's really, really solid player. That Kitchener team, like you said, led by Marco Constantini on the back end and in, in net, it's going to be tough to beat them. But this London Knights team might be able to do that because they have a lot of depth. And I think that's their strength is they are able to score kind of throughout the lineup. They've got the twins there and Barkey and Cowan who are able to kind of do some damage. They've got guys like Sean McGurn, who's been outstanding. This is going to be a fun series. I think it's going to be a hard-fought series. I'm going to take London in seven. I think it's going to go deep. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going to take Kitchener in seven. Um, I think the big thing for, for London, and I think you already hit on some great points, is just the tenaciousness of their forward group. Uh, Kitchener, at times this year, has struggled to transition the puck out of their own end, um, including Bruce Davich, who... who I think has improved a lot in the second half, but guys like Hamara, guys like Samamotu, some of their depth defenders, Roman Schmidt at times have had trouble making those outlet passes. And with the way that London is just constantly on the forecheck, that, that could be hard for, for that team to uh, overcome. But uh, I'm going to take Kitchener in seven. Like I said, I'm riding that wave. All right. Now to the final series of the Western conference and the final series of the OHL second round. Sarnia taking on Saginaw, three versus four seed. It's going to be a really fun series. I think Sarnia has got so much offensive firepower. And Saginaw proved that they have the offensive power, firepower to go with the defensive game. Who do you think has got this series, and, and what, what's your take on breaking it down? Yeah, I have to go with Sarnia. They were my pick when we talked about the playoffs the last couple of weeks. They were, they were my pick to, to win it all in the OHL, so I'm going to stick with them. I think that they got a little bit cocky in that series with Guelph. I think that... They thought they had it in the bag, and, and Guelph really battled to, to push them. And I think that's going to be ultimately really good for them moving forward because I think it's going to make them even more hungry to make sure that they're finishing off series. I think that they've played really well in that second half, and um, they're getting pretty good goaltending from Ben Goodrow, but they're getting great offensive production from their first couple of lines. Um, Sandusville Manis was fantastic in that first round. Uh, I think he's sort of been an undervalued guy all year because he's been playing in like a third or fourth line role with power play time. But now they've sort of moved him up the lineup a little bit. I think it's been a great opportunity for him to showcase his skill set. Um, and obviously that first line with Pashizov and Void is great too. And Nolan Burke is, is a great player. And I, I just, I really like the composition of that roster. And I think that Saginaw, had a really good first round, but they're a team that we kind of talked about previously being maybe like one year ahead of their top end projection. Um, so they're a team I think is going to be really good next year, and it's great that they were able to make the second round. But I do think Sarnia ends up taking this one. I think it'll be like five or six. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think it's Sarnia in five. I think at the end of the day, Matisapavalov is a guy that they relied on heavily in round one. Guys like Michael Misa and, and Zane Parikh obviously had their flashes and their big moments. Joey Willis as well. But it's not the same level of talent at the end of the day that the Sarnia Sting have. That Sarnia team is absolutely loaded. Ben Goudreau's had an outstanding – not outstanding, but he's had a really good second half since coming back from the World Juniors and kind of getting his game back on track. And I think that's going to be a big factor in this game. This series, Tristan Lennox has been really good for, for the Stagnal Spirit as well. But 
it's going to come down to the firepower, I think. And at the end of the day, Sarnia just has a little bit more. So I, I'm going to go Sarnia in five, but I'm assuming you're taking Sarnia in, in short as well. Yeah, I, I would say five or six. That's I agree with you, Tony. All right, and let's get to talk about uh, the second spirit real quick before we get out of here, though. They are going to host the Memorial Cup next year. Uh, we've talked about that. This team really is building towards next year. They've got so much young talent on that team. Do you think that how much this, how much is this experience and getting maybe driving this series a little bit deeper, getting to that six or seven games that we're not quite expecting, going to play in towards that team being a, a real competitor for the Memorial Cup next year? I think it's huge. Uh, when you get a, a player like Michael Misa and you're able to give him really extensive playoff experience in his first year in the league, that's going to make him way better moving forward. Uh, I think what they did with Pavel Minchikov was so smart too, right? They knew they had Zane Perek uh, able to, to fill in that role. So you let him learn from Minchikov. You let him sort of build up confidence in that first half and then you unleash him in the second half once Minchikov's gone. And their player development model has just been really well constructed. And I think a lot of thought goes into the way that they draft and the way that they develop players and kudos to, to them and, and their management group for the way that they've put together that team and the way that they handled the deadline this year. It was a risk, but it's definitely paid off. And I think you're seeing some of their younger players really playing their best hockey of the year right now. And I think that's very promising for their chances to be one of the better teams in the OHL next year and not sort of find the back door into the Memorial Cup as a host, but actually winning the OHL championship. Yeah, that was my thing too, is that they could be one of those teams that end up winning the OHL championship and allowing the finalists to come and join them at the Memorial Cup because this team really is built for next season. Like you said, allowing Zimbri to learn under Minshukov, allowing Michael Misa to play a prominent role on this team throughout the year. Guys, this team has been really, really good. So I think they're going to be outstanding next year. I think they're going to be one of the favorites in the OHL next year. And they're going to be able to load up for that Memorial Cup run, as every team that hosts does. So it's going to be a really fun team to watch next year and definitely keep your eye out on them being a, a true competitor for the OHL championship next year. Let's move on to the, the some of the rookies that we're going to get in, or the OHL draft or NHL draft prospects, sorry, uh, that we're going to get into this year. I figure we can do, do a quick uh, back and forth. Let's start with Luke Pinelli, Brock. What's your takes on him? Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about these guys, we're talking about the five or six guys who had really good playoff first rounds. And I think that goes a long way to impressing scouts. We had talked about this previously on the podcast, Tony, and Luca Pinelli had – a really, really good first round against Oshawa. And I feel like that was really important for him. And I know I've just used the word really about 16 times in the last 30 seconds. But look, Luca Pinelli kind of limped into the playoffs. I feel like he wasn't playing his best hockey. Um, the last couple months of the year, he looked a little bit tired. He didn't have that tenacious edge that he did in the first half of the year. It was when he was one of the leading scorers in the OHL. And... As an undersized player, he's going to have to produce offensively to really climb up draft boards. And I think that if he can have a monster playoffs, that's going to really help his cause in terms of an Ontario-based scout or even you know a scouting director really going to bat for him as a top two-round selection rather than more of like a middle-round guy, which 
some places like NHL Central Scouting have him as. Yeah, you talked about Luke Benelli not having a great second half of the year, really. A guy that had a huge second half of the year was Nick Lardis. Once he got traded to the to the Hamilton Bulldogs, he was absolutely outstanding, and he continued on that in the playoffs. He was really, really dangerous for the Bulldogs in the playoffs. I think he was one of, if not their best player. I think he did a really good job of, of proving that that second half wasn't a fluke, getting into the OHL playoffs and, and making a, his mark, like you said, that impresses OHL scout, uh, scouts in the OHL region. I, I think that impresses uh, scouting directors. It's going to go a long way towards seeing if this guy can squeak maybe into the end of that first round or early second round because he's another guy that is going to need to prove the fact that he is a, a top two-round pick, top 50, top 60 pick. Yeah, again, on to the same sort of theme about undersized players. Another guy worth mentioning is Denver Barkey. Now, I don't think you either you or I are shocked he had a good first round. His game is built for success in the playoffs. He's tenacious. He's got a motor that just never seems to quit. I know those are cliches, but it does fit Denver Barkey. He is a bulldog on the ice. And I think that people underrate his skill level and his IQ and his ability to produce offensively. And I think that he's somebody who's playing into that typical London model where – Next year, he's probably going to explode offensively, and we're all going to say, well, like, oh, you know, Denver Barkey is more than just a middle six guy. He's somebody who could play up at the top of the lineup. And he had a really good first round against Owen Sound, which is a tough team. They play hard as well. And I'm really interested to see what he does uh, against Kitchener because it's going to be even more of a difficult test for him. Yeah, I agree. And a guy like Carson Raycroft, who I watched – absolutely handle the the Windsor Spitfires throughout the four game sweep that they did it was fun to watch this guy kind of become that consistent player that we've wanted to see over the last few few months basically he's a guy that's flashed brilliance and flashed potential hasn't quite ever been able to put it together for an extended period of time but he was outstanding in this four game series against Windsor he was one of their best offensive producers he was playmaking he was using his shot effectively getting to to excellent spots I think this was a great series for him to showcase his skill and showcase a reason why he could be a top two round guy as well. Carson Rakoff is a guy that has size. He's got speed. He's got the ability to kind of get that motor going when he wants to. So it was good to see him bring everything together because a lot of times it was tool A or tool B was working, but then tool C and tool D were out of the picture. And this was an excellent chance for him to showcase all of it together. Yeah. And speaking of consistency, Another guy worth mentioning is Joey Willis in Saginaw. He was somebody who I thought was really impressive in the first half of the year. But second half, uh, there were a lot of games that I saw of Saginaw where he wasn't really a factor. And there were other games where, you know, he showcased or flashed those top-end skills, that top-end IQ that we saw in the first half. And I think as a rookie, you can hit that wall, especially somebody like Willis who was, you know, playing his first year of really high-end hockey. He was playing AAA um before that not even junior a and that's a big jump and he was really good for Saginaw in that first round and he's another smaller guy who's gonna have to produce to be drafted and I I've always been a fan and I think that him producing in the playoffs is gonna go a long way to him securing a spot at the NHL draft this year and um, I'm really excited that that he's playing well because like I said I, I do really like him and I do like his profile moving forward. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be really important for Saginaw over the next couple of years when their roster is, is really, really, really strong. Um, I guess maybe the question I have for you now, Tony, is 
who's the one draft eligible guy that you're looking at in round two, three, four, you know, moving forward in these OHL playoffs? Who's the one that you really have your eye on? I, I feel like this is cheating because we talked about him already, but Luke Pinelli, I, I want to see him continue this because I, I talked to you, we talked earlier this year. He was a guy I was really, really high on. And his second half was a little bit disappointing. He was a guy that kind of fell off. Like you mentioned, that tenacity, that fire that he played with was kind of out of the picture a little bit. We saw it flash at times. Uh, the top prospects game, he was out there throwing some hits, being physical despite being a smaller guy. And I think that's the the brain of hockey he needs to play. So I think he's going to be the guy I'm watching forward. I don't expect 12, game, 12 points in every series, but I expect him to be a pretty good offensive producer and be a guy that can be relied upon for that Ottawa 67s team. How about yourself? Yeah, I would say the Twins in, in London, uh, Denver Burke and Easton Cowan. I think those two, uh, like I already mentioned, they're smaller guys that need to produce offensively, but their game is tailored for the playoffs, and they've got such great chemistry. I'm really interested to see how they do against Kitchener, and if London does manage to to move on, whoever they end up playing in, in the Western Conference Championships. I think it's going to be a really good test for those two, and if they can carry London deep into the OHL playoffs – those two, I think, are going to be a hot commodity at the NHL draft. I think that they're probably going to end up going higher, maybe than a lot of places have them ranked. And especially Cowan, who's more of like a mid to late round guy, I think he could really move up. Um, and actually, it wouldn't even shock me if Cowan has a really good finish to the playoffs. He ends up getting drafted before Denver Barkey. And it's only because I think he's a better overall skater than, than Barkey. I think that there might be a little bit higher of a ceiling in that regard for him in terms of athletically. Um, but both of those two, I definitely have my eye on as it's the lifeblood for, for London for a lot of this year. Well, Brock, we've covered the first round, taking a look back at what happened. We've looked ahead to see what we think is going to happen in the second round. We covered the OHL coaches poll. So let's get out of here. We really appreciate everybody listening. Make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe to wherever you're listening to the podcast, whether it's on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, wherever it may be. We really appreciate you listening. Come back next week as we review the Windsor Spitfires getting swept yet again, somehow out of the playoffs a second time. Um, but no, it's going to be fun to see where these second round series lie next week. Uh, come back again and join us for the THN on the end.